As we study God's word today, my prayer is that each and every one of us, beginning with myself, will be blessed. We'll find a blessing. We'll find something in this message that will be uh, just the right message, just the right word for, from the Lord for us in our lives and in our different trials and in our different experiences that the Lord will bless us, that there will be a word from the Lord for each and every one of us today. And so as we begin, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer as far as possible, but please join me as we pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, here we are. We are so thankful that we are in your presence Even though our natural eyes cannot see you, but we see you by faith. And we are just so thankful that you welcome us into your presence. Now, Lord, as we dedicate some time to hear from your word, I ask, Father, that you may help us, that we may be able to focus, that any distraction, any concern, any worry that may be uh, robbing our peace or may be distracting us, that all of that may subside now, that you'll be able, Lord, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to listen to your voice. I ask you, Lord, humbly that you may cleanse me from all my unrighteousness, that you may use me as your instrument. Here I am as your servant. And I ask that each worshiper here this morning may also feel drawn closer to you as a result of your of your word for us today. Bless us all, Lord, and give us peace. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I read the story of a, of a little girl. that She was walking, uh, walking out and watching uh, the garden, admiring everything beautiful out there in the garden, the flowers, the plants. And she noticed a particularly beautiful flower. And she was so impressed that she came closer. And as she admired the flower and sensed the perfume, she gazed upon the flower and her eyes followed the stem of the flower all the way down to the soil. And she was disappointed when she saw that just where the the flower was planted, there was so much dirt. And it was ugly. And the girl said, oh, what a shame, what a waste, such a beautiful flower planted right in the middle of all this dirt. I know what I will do. I will pull it, I'll remove it, and I'll give it a good wash. And so she did. She pulled the plant by the roots and she ran to the water faucet, gave it a good rinse to wash away any clinging soil. And then she put the flower in the sun and kept admiring it. But it didn't take long, as you know, for the flower to wilt and for the plant to begin to die. Now, the gardener saw it all. And, and he approached the girl and said, look at what you have done. He scolded her. You shouldn't have done that. That was my most precious flower, my most precious plant. And I, I, I was caring for that. And the girl said, but I didn't like it in the dirt. And the gardener said, well, I personally chose the spot and I collected and mixed the soil and I planted the flower right there because I knew that that was the place that would help it come to maturity. 
And as I think about that story, I realize that we all have been planted somewhere. And we have been planted exactly where we were planted. Because the Lord in His wisdom knew that where we are going to be planted and all the circumstances around you would help you attain maturity in life. Both maturity as an individual and spiritual maturity as well. And so you came to this world on very specific circumstances, in very specific circumstances. You came to this world, you were born of a specific mother. You were born on a given location. You were born on a given country, in a given country. You were born in a specific town. There was a specific year where you came to this world. And you came to this world on a very specific given day. All of that makes you the person who you are. Along with the experiences of life and along with your own decisions. And since the day you were born until now and going forward, you are on this life journey. You and I are on this life journey, and my life journey is very specific to me, and you have your own specific journey. And all along, we try to find meaning in life. We are on this journey looking for purpose. We are on this journey looking for hope. Let me tell you, if you are looking for meaning, well, there is meaning right here in the Bible. The Bible tells you that you are not a product of chance. The Bible tells you that you are not the result of an amoeba uh, evolving and developing and, and becoming you. The Bible tells you clearly that God created you and me. That God with his own hands formed man of the dust from the dust of the ground. And so the Bible tells you the meaning of life because you're a child of God. If you're looking for uh, hope... The Bible tells you that even though things may be really difficult today, they are not going to stay like this forever. God is going to bring an end to all this evil and sin that abounds in this world. If you're looking for hope, if you're looking for purpose, the Bible tells you that there is a goal, there is a final destination. That this world is not your home. We are just passing by here, but we are going toward the promised land the heavenly Canaan. And the Bible tells you all of this. The Bible, I can say, is like God's map of truth. Well, if you're trying to find where truth is and what truth is and what is error and what is evil and what is right and what is wrong, it is all right in here. God has provided, with this, provided us with this map of truth. The Bible contains the way marks of truth. That you can look at them and you can see this is the way I should be walking. It is clear in the Bible what is right and what is wrong. In fact, this past Wednesday we were talking here at prayer meeting and I was asking this, this almost silly question. Well, is there something that is more right than something else? In term, uh, that was not my question actually. The question was, is there something that is right and something else that is more right? Is there something that is wrong and something that is more wrong? Well, wrong is wrong and right is right. And whether you may or I may consider something as being less wrong than something else, it's too wrong. 
And the right is right and everything is clearly uh, explained here in the Bible. But I also uh, admit that uh, the Bible as far as it is concerned, as far as your personal decisions on a daily basis are concerned, the Bible may not give you a very detailed GPS style turn by turn direction. When you wake up in the morning and you have decisions to make, and you have uh, options to choose, and maybe you have two good options, you may not find specifically in the Bible an example for the decision you have at that very moment. Or rather, you may not even hear from God saying in the Bible that uh, Ivaldo should make this one specific decision. This is not in the Bible. I won't find even my name there. And so when it comes to your personal decisions on a daily basis, what should I do? I know what truth is, I know what right is, I know what wrong is, but right now what should I do? When it comes to that, I would think that God's directions are more like a compass. More like a compass than a GPS style directions. And so God will clearly show you here in the Bible where the true north is. God will clearly show you that there is a final destination. But as far as your every single individual decisions, you have to believe what the Bible tells you is true. And you have to continue in connection with God through prayer, uh, asking that the Lord reveal to you what you have to do at that very specific moment. The Bible says in Proverbs 16:9 that man devises his plan, but is God who establishes, it is God who directs the steps. So this verse tells us something very important. This verse tells us that it is up to us to make plans. This verse tells us that it's up to us to take steps in life. And once you make plans and once you decide to set out on your journey, then you have to continue to be tuned to the Lord so that the Lord may be able to direct your steps in life. But you see what the problem is? There are many people who are not well acquainted with the map of truth that God has given us here in the Bible. There are many people that are not acquainted with the truth as it is presented in the Bible. And so when you are not well acquainted with the truth, you may make wrong decisions. Or even if you are acquainted with the truth, but you decide to tune out the voice of the Holy Spirit, then life pretty fast fills up with challenges and problems. And we may all agree on this point, right? So uh, I guess we all agree that we need to study the Bible and we need to continue to pray and try to listen to the voice of the Lord in His directions. But the truth is that more often than not, this is easier said than done. We find ourselves making decisions on our own. We find ourselves not paying attention to what the Bible says. And then, as I said, trouble fills up quickly in our life. And before you know it, whether it is because of your bad decisions, whether it is because of what people have done to you, life is filled with challenges Life is filled with pain. Life is filled with problems. You may wake up one day and say, Today uh, I pray that the Lord will bless me. And you go out to take care of your own business. 
And all of a sudden you see that, well, a day that I had perfectly planned, a day that I thought, what thought was going to go one direction, all of a sudden your day is a bad day, becomes a bad day. All of a sudden in your day as you are going about your business, your entire world caves in on you. It was nothing like you had planned, but that's how things happened. And this reminds me of the story of Thomas Wisniewski. Uh, you may have seen the story, you may have heard about what happened, but Thomas Wisniewski one day, he woke up in the morning thinking that this was going to be just a regular day. And so he woke up, he stood up, he prepared, got ready to go to work, and he went to work. But that day was going to be different from any other day in his life. That one day, on that one day, his whole world caved in on him. He was a man working in England, in London, uh, not in London, in Shropshire, England. He worked for a huge warehouse, a warehouse where cheese was stored. Uh, tons and tons of cheddar cheese, tons and tons of red Leicester cheese. And he was a forklift operator, and his work was to move cheese from one location to the other. I was, I, I, we are told that there were at least 10,000 pallets of cheese right there. But that one day, his world caved in on him. I'm going to show you shortly what happened. But before you see, you watch the video, uh, keep in mind that this is a, a video from a closed camera, a closed uh, circuit camera, so there is no audio. But it is a camera that was located there in the CCTV, right there in the warehouse. And it re uh, registered, recorded exactly what happened there. So let's watch there. So here's the warehouse. These two men are here. Uh, minding their own business, doing their duties. And we'll see there now that's Thomas. He's coming with his forklift. And he considers himself a good driver. And he sees there is an obstacle in the aisle and he will have to go around it. And he says, no, I, I can do that. I can drive around it because I'm a good driver. And so he comes and he's starting to drive around it. And he goes and, uh, oops. Mercy. That's something, isn't it? It seemed as if it was going to be just a regular day for Thomas. But it turned out that way. And it took uh, 70 uh, firefighters from uh, 13 different locations. And several different agencies came together to, to try to remove that rubble of cheese and see what they could find uh, left of Thomas in there. And uh, many urban uh, search people, uh, personnel, many uh, rescue people, they came around and, and the Shopshire Department, a fire department said that this was certainly the biggest uh, rescue mission they were ever involved. But I got to tell you this, bigger than this was the fact that nine hours later, 
they were able to free Thomas from where he was, and he came out alive and uninjured. And people say, wow, because wow, it was a miracle. It was a real miracle. But you see, this is what happens in life. You plan, you pray, and you set out, and sometimes without you, whether because something you did, or whether because something someone else did, things turn out not really good. But the Christian life is like this. You may have a bad day here today. Sometimes you may say, oh, it's been a bad week. It's not been the best of weeks. Sometimes you'll say it's been a bad month. Or it may perpetuate for a while and, well, this, is, this hasn't been a good year for me. The life for the Christian, it has never been promised to you that everything would be pain-free or trouble-free. In fact, the Bible shows the exact opposite. The Bible shows that there were certain Bible characters who were committed to God, who were faithful servants and followers of God, but yet their life was filled with difficulties and challenges. You can think of Job, for example. Job, the Bible describes as someone who was blameless, someone who walked with God, but yet he found himself in a situa situation he could never ever have imagined. You can think of Joseph. Joseph was uh, sold as a slave for nothing, just out of jealousy. And then once there in Egypt, Joseph was sent to prison for something he hadn't done. He had not done at all. You can think of uh, uh, Daniel in the lion's den. You can think of many other biblical uh, characters. You can think of uh, John the Baptist, who also was sent to prison, uh, uh, even though he hadn't done anything actually wrong. But that's, that's what you should uh, expect might happen to the Christian, in spite of the Christian being faithful to God. But we cannot judge things based, the, based only on what we see. Because you cannot forget that there is a map of truth that God has given you. There's the story of this farmer. This was back in the 1800s. The farmer had one horse who was a wild horse and he managed to escape from his corral. And there he went, there the, the horse went. And the neighbor is, is observing all of that and he saw the, the horse managing to escape. And he comes to the farmer and says, whoa, I'm sorry, that is bad. And the farmer turns to him and says, how do you know? And then the next day that horse came back accompanied by 10 other wild horses. And the neighbor looks at that and says to the farmer, that's good. And the farmer says, how do you know? Well, the next day, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the horses. And it was a wild horse. So we bucked off the young man. And the young man goes flying and lands on the ground and breaks his leg. And the neighbor sees that and comes to the farmer and says, oh, that's bad. And the farmer says, how do you know? Well, the next day, their country declared war on the neighbor country. And all able-bodied young men were drafted, except the farmer's son who had his leg broken. And the neighbor comes to the farmer and says, wow, that is good. 
And the farmer says, how do you know? And you know, this story could continue forever, right? And it, it teaches us, it, it continues forever to go wrong because it's based on the premise that we judge things or we judge God's plans on what we see only. When there is a lot more that we don't see and that we have no idea about. Something that may look terribly, that, that may look exceptionally good, is actually something that could be quite destructive to you. And something that may look terribly bad may actually be a blessing in disguise. We should never be surprised when difficult things come our way on this journey to heaven. Jesus himself, he, he warned us to strive to enter, enter through the narrow gate. Didn't Jesus say that? Strive to make it through the narrow gate. Because the, the wide way, the wide road is the one that leads to destruction. Many will prefer the wide roads. It's more comfortable. But we are called to walk the narrow road. And the narrow road by definition is, guess what? Narrow. You may have to shed some weight. You may have to leave behind some excess baggage. You may have to leave behind some things that may be are dear to you. But you have to leave them behind because you are traveling now a narrow path. Unfortunately, some of your friends will stay behind because they will prefer to go with those who are on the wide road. It is more comfortable. It is more fun. It is cool. But the Lord is calling you to walk the narrow path. From a human perspective... It may even happen that you find yourself lonely. And you start to question, well, since I accepted Jesus, my family all turned their back on me. Since I accepted Jesus, since I came to this church, and I started worshiping on the Sabbath, everybody said he's gone or she's gone crazy. Why is that? What's that thing about the Sabbath? And you may find yourself lonely, and sometimes you come to the church... And you don't connect. You're not able to make friends instantly. And you start to wonder if you have made the right decision. But again I say. Don't act like the farmer's neighbor. Maybe you are looking just at that which is on the surface. When behind there is a lot more that God has planned for you. Sometimes you wonder whether or not you've made the right decision. Sometimes you wonder whether or not you are on the right road. Is this the right church I should join? Is this the right people I should be around? As you know, I do a lot of traveling, right? I, knew a lot, I do a lot of driving at least. And this past Wednesday, after a prayer meeting here at church, I went to visit uh, a friend, a friend of ours actually, he's been coming to this church uh, they've been away a few Sabbaths due to different reasons, but Mina, uh, Mina and Melinda. So I went to visit Mina. He lives out in Roblin. And it was my first time going to his place, and it was after 8 o'clock, so it was already dark. And uh, I started making my way on the 401, and he had given me the address, and I put the address on my phone. And for some reason, the GPS on my phone is not working, but it can at least show, it can at least show me the map. And I kind of memorized the turns I had to make and everything. 
And it was actually uneventful. So I went, I, I got off the 401 on Desaronto Road and went north and then made a right on his road and went all the way to his home. It is out there in the country. And uh, we had a good time together. We talked. We talked about spiritual things. We prayed together. And then it was time for me to go back home. It was just around uh, a quarter after 11 p.m. And I started my journey. So before I did that, I turned to Mina and said, now you've got to tell me what's the best way. Should I go back the way I came? Or should I continue uh, further east and then take Highway 41 and go down to Napanee in the 401? And he said, no, you better, you better go east. Because if you go back uh, the way you came, uh, there is a great uh, likelihood that you may run into a deer and other wildlife. And I said, okay. So he gave me the instructions, the directions. You drive maybe 500, 600 meters and you will see a yield sign. And when you see the yield sign, that's when you make a right. And as, you, as soon as you make the right, you see a bridge and you cross the bridge. And you continue on County Road 12 and eventually you get to Highway 41. And then from there you know what to do. And yes, Highway 41 I'm, I'm pretty well acquainted with. Uh, and so I did. But I tell you that uh, in two intersections, on two intersections before the actual one, I had the, the clear impression that that was the place I, I, I should have turned right. And so there was this first intersection, and I'm thinking, well, what if I should have gone this way? But no, he said the yield sign. Uh, and then later on, in the next intersection, I saw a stop sign. And I'm thinking here, maybe he, he meant to say stop sign, and he said yield sign. Because there was a bridge right there. That's the, the, the thing. And I said, no, I must turn here because there is a bridge, there is the river. And so he must have meant stop sign. But, but no, he said yield sign. And he said 600 meters. Well, I forgot to check on the odometer how many, uh, uh, what was the mileage when I started. So I was not sure what to do. And I said, no, I, I, I will stick to what he said. It's a yield sign, not a stop sign. And as I'm, I'm, I'm starting to drive again, I look right and I see the bridge. But I also see a sign that said, no exit. And I said, yes, so I, I, I must continue. And so I did. And eventually, I did see the yield sign waiting for me there. And I made a right. I crossed the bridge. And eventually, after a few turns and curves, I made it to Highway 41. And so, my friends, uh, in, in life, that's how it is. You may not be absolutely sure whether or not this is the right way. But I want to bring you back to our text for today. And that's found in Isaiah 42, verses 14 to 16. Isaiah 42, verses 14 to 16. And I read, I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands and I will dry up the, the pools. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them. 
And so the Lord is saying that He is going to guide us. The Lord is saying that on this journey to heaven, He is going to lead us. And where there is no way, He is going to make a way for us. Isaiah is here uh, uh, conveying, transmitting the words of the Lord. He's speaking in the first person as if it was Isaiah himself, but this is the word of the Lord. And the Lord says, he begins saying by saying that he has kept himself silent for too long a time. He's held his peace. He's been quiet. And maybe you feel like that in the journey to heaven. Maybe on your journey you pray and you pray and you pray and you still haven't gotten an answer from the Lord. And you think, is the Lord silent? Is the Lord not listening to me? And truth is, He may be silent. He's been silent and He can very well be silent in your case. The Lord may be silent, but He's not going to be silent forever. He may have kept himself still and restrained, but that's not going to last forever. Because then he says, now I'm going to act and this is what I'm going to do. It may seem to you, my friend, at times that you are on the wrong road. It may seem to you as if the Lord is silent and he may very well be. It may seem as if you have missed the, bri the bridge. But here is the lesson. You have to wait for a sign to the Lord. And the Lord will tell you, yield. You're not supposed to make decisions on your own. The Lord is telling you, yield. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Wait for my direction. And I will guide you with my steady hand. The Lord will not be silent forever. The Lord will cry out. He will groan. He'll gasp. And He will pant. He will do anything necessary to make it clear to you. That you are indeed on the right path. It is a narrow one. But still the right one. And then Isaiah says that God will overturn whatever your situation is. He says in verse 15. That I will lay waste the mountains and hills. I will dry up the vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands. And I will dry up the pools. Whatever is necessary to open a way for you. He will do. He goes on to say that he will turn darkness into light. He will make the crooked things straight. He will bring you by a way you don't even know. He will lead you in a path you have never traveled. We are going to a destination where you have never been. I've never been to heaven, but I'm looking forward to it. And a road that leads to a destination I've never been is also a road I've never traveled. I don't know what tomorrow is going to be, but I know I'm on the right path. I'm on the narrow road, and this is where I want to stay. This is the Lord, the, uh, this is the road the Lord has for you to travel. And it goes along perfectly well with the name of the prophet himself. Isaiah means the Lord will save, or the Lord is salvation, or the Lord saves. This is what Isaiah means. And so whatever may have come to you, whatever may have come your way, whatever may have happened after you have accepted Jesus, the Lord will save. So the question is, does the present weary you? Does it upset you? Does tomorrow make you afraid when you think of it? 
Remember that the Bible is saying here that the Lord will give you enough light for you to travel without fear. In verse 16, the Bible says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not, they did not know. And I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. And these things I will do for them and I will not forsake them. And so when the Bible says that he will make darkness light, it means that there will be darkness. But you don't have to be afraid because the Lord will make it light for you. You have to trust that, whatever the situation is. And he will lead the blind. And I am blind number one here in this church. We are all in one way or another blind and we need God's light to lead us. There was a train that was uh, 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 leading people on a long trip. And this one passenger was so impressed with everything he saw. He would look outside and see the vegetation, see the trees. And he would exclaim, wow, wonderful, awesome, fantastic. He would look at people's faces and he would say, awesome, wonderful. He would look at the, the smallest details, everything, the, how the train was built, every single piece of furniture, the seats for everything. He would say, wonderful, beautiful, fantastic. Well, it was a long trip and he didn't cease to do that. And at some point, another passenger, out of curiosity, turned to him and said, oh, how come... All of us, we are worn out here with this boring trip. And you look around and you're all the time saying, wonderful, fantastic, awesome. And the, friend, and the man said, well, my friend, just until a few weeks ago, I was blind. But a great doctor was able to restore my sight. And now everything that may be for you guys looks ordinary for me is just out of this world. And so the Lord is telling you that he's going to lead you as a blind person. But he's going to make light for you out of darkness. And so first, you don't need to be afraid. Second, you can trust him that he's going to bring things to your life so wonderful. That you have never imagined about that. And the greatest glory of all will be when we come to heaven. When we get to heaven. What a great reunion that will be what a great rejoicing what a great day of rejoicing that will be when we all get to heaven in the presence of jesus and so my message for you today is whatever may have happened to you as a result of your decision to accept christ whatever may have may have happened to your life because you've committed to be faithful to jesus remember that nothing no one, no circumstances can ever pluck you out of his hand. Because I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eight thirty-eight thirty-nine. The road less traveled is the one you have chosen. You have chosen to be a Christian in this country. Just last week we heard from, from brother, brother Barry Bussey. 
And you have chosen to travel this road that not many people are choosing today. And on top of that, you have chosen to, uh, to travel this road that uh, brings you to worship on the Sabbath. It may be uh, the last traveled road. It may be the narrower one. But it will be a journey on a road that has a lot of surprises. And the Lord is preparing you for what is to come in heaven. It is a road that leads you to heaven. And it's a destination that even though you've never been to, we all long for that. And one day, Jesus will say, Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34. This is the hope we have. This is what we look forward to. This is why life has lots of meaning. This is why we continue on, even though it may be difficult. And my word for you today is do never, do don't to ever think of giving up. Because the Lord is coming. And we continue on this road. And soon we'll see His face. Amen.